Are you an architect, designer, contractor, or engineer? Modeler.com is a platform connecting architects and other specifiers with building product manufacturers. Modeler.com's engaged network of 168,000 architects, designers, and construction professionals use Modeler.com's tools to discover, discuss, and specify products appropriate for building projects. We at KZSU Stanford thank Modeler.com for the generous underwriting of the production and broadcasting costs of The Modern Architect. KZSU, Stanford University's FM radio station, broadcasting across the Bay Area on 90.1 FM and across the world at kzsu.org. And from the campus of Stanford University, this is the Modern Architect radio show and podcast featuring one-on-one interviews with renowned and cutting-edge architects, influencers, and sustainability leaders. The show and podcast will inform, educate, and illuminate the transformation, joy, and inspiration architecture brings to our cities, communities, and your lives. Hosted by architecture aficionado and principal of Accurate, Tom Diorio. Thank you, Charlotte, for our guest today. Please welcome Kathleen Curl attorney and partner in the law firm Manelson Curl LLP, specializing in handling problems relating to the construction industry for over 25 years. Kathleen received her BA from Stanford University and law degree from University of Santa Clara and is a member of the construction industry section of the California Bar Association, the San Francisco chapter of the National Association of Women in Construction and Women's Construction Owners and Executives. Kathleen is also past president and current and a current director of the Peninsula Builders Exchange. For more information, feel free to visit manoscurl.com. That's manoscurl.com. Hello, Kathleen. We're excited to have you on the Modern Architect Show today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, we're we're honored, Kathleen. I'm curious. What are some early inspirations, if you can, if you can uh, recall, as to kind of how you are, where you are as an attorney now and a professional that you may have seen kind of early, early in your life, if you're able to recall as, you know, as soon as you can or as early as you can. I'm one of those people, though, that didn't have any early aspirations other than mm-hmm. working with my erector set and those kinds of things. Oh. I don't have any relatives, parents who had anything to do with construction. Really? My first job in law school, I was working for an attorney who was also a um, in the Army Corps of Engineers, as okay. well as being an attorney. And so I loved what he did. It was so interesting, and the people that he had. Our firm also did other things, so sometimes there the receptionist would come in and say, don't go in the lobby, the rapist is out there. So No way. I, I thought... Construction seems really good. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay, so that that, that drew you to construction. It drew me to construction. I love the people, I think. There's something about construction people. They're just, they're very real. And for the most part, all of my clients will bend over backwards to help other people. They're just good people. That's interesting that you say that. I'm I'm curious. I'll take a poke at it. Do you think it's because they're dealing with such tangible, earth-based products, material, feelings, vibes, emotions from people of their most important? I think so. I yeah. think that's a lot of it. And I okay. think there's a lot of them are just very 
helpful kind of people. You know, there's a lot of brawn, a lot of strength that goes with construction. Sure. And so some of the people you see, not not all of them, obviously, but a lot of them have just, I think, grown up helping other people, <laughs> moving things, lifting things. Yeah. Yeah. And that tends to be good in the construction area. Yeah, it's interesting that, that, that you say that. It sounds like there's also, with that brawn, there's a, a sort of sensitivity. Yes. Which doesn't seem perceptively like that's the way they are. But there really is because there's a major um, care factor. Yes. Yeah. And they, they're sort of quiet about it. They don't usually like you to mention it very much. But, <laughs> but they're the ones that will do the extras it. for you. Yeah. You know, most of my clients will will do extra work for people at no charge just to help people. Really? Yeah. So that I wonder if the clients actually know that at some level or they just, just don't charge them or you think they uh, – Well, m- many – homeowners uh, in particular sort of expect it. And I sort of think sometimes mm. the public agencies do too. Really? They, but you're right. They don't always know. Yeah. They, they just, it just happens. And then they, they don't even know to look for it on the bill. Yeah. <laughs> they don't even know. So how do you, now what, what type of challenges do you deal with? Well, if you're at liberty to share with us, you know, kind of the challenges you deal with on a week to week, day to day, I'm sure it was different at each time, but is there is ever a kind of a, a real a central theme for any of the challenges that come about that they're just not aware of when they when they become a, a contractor or, or a designer. Yeah, I think there's there's so many. Some things I've learned over the years are, are going to be trouble from the start. Oh. If, if churches churches are terrible to deal with, they're probably the number one. Really? <laughs> Isn't that Whoa. a surprise? No, it really is for, yeah. for two reasons. One is they want you to do work for free for the glory of God, regardless of the denomination. Okay. The second thing they do is they contract for work that they don't have the money for, but God will provide. Oh, oh. And okay. And so if, if you're expecting that paycheck every Friday or whatever, that can, can be a serious problem. Oh. <laughs> and that's a theme, as you said, regardless of the denomination. Regardless of denomination, yeah. Whoa. Doing work for accountants— Okay. Terrible idea. <laughs> Sorry for all my accountant. No, but no, no, this is great. Um, yeah. Accountants are awful. They are, they're very into the, the exact numbers and the decimal points. Construction doesn't lend itself to that no. for the most part. Very fluid. Yeah. Yes. So I have had many clients who've had trouble with accountants, and I just know when they're across my desk and they're saying, I'm working for accountants, I'm cringing <laughs> inside. <laughs> That usually means it'll help put my kids through college. So in that sense, it's a good thing. But as a human being, you're cringing for their, their I'm, experience. I'm cringing for their experience, yeah. Okay. So how do, you, how do you prepare them for that ahead of time, if you can? They never come to me ahead of time It's in terms of those kinds of yeah. things. It's hard as an attorney because you can help people so much at the contract stage, and you get so few of them who think that. Okay. Most of my neighbors now have learned to bring me their remodel <laughs> contracts. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, that's a good, that's a, how is that? Or how can that you shift that sort of behavior so that, you know, someone before they get into business, before they begin a business, that they have to consult with you to know, look, I, I don't know what I'm doing here. Would you just be, they may, but at least approach it that way. Say, look, I don't know what I'm doing here in particular in regards to these contracts or agreements. What, what can I do? What should I do to, to minimize the potential litigation that I may get myself into because of my own ignorance? I've wondered that myself. How do we get people to know? There's a group called AVO that's sort of a rating system for lawyers, okay. and they do free questions and things. And so I love answering questions. I'm part of the construction committee, and so yeah. people will just write in 
you know, and so I can answer particular items and things for them. And you can write newsletters and you can write articles. Really, I think it takes being burned. You get burned once and then, you know, twice shy. The next yeah. one you usually do. Yeah, I would think it, it's, it sounds like a headset, but I don't know if there's any organization that actually sh- shares with them to say, uh, maybe, I don't know if it's a violation to say, look, before you guys ever get into a business, before you form, you know, you get your, once you get your license this early, you get your license or you be, before you become a, a you know sort of an architect or an engineer, your BE, go to an attorney. You know, here's here's some selection. You know, measure them out on your own. Look at them and, ve- and, and interview them. Here's some of the things that you ought to look at, and then proceed with your practice. It's a wonderful idea. The Contractor State License Board for the state tries to do that. <clears throat> they publish a pamphlet, how to hire a contractor, what to do, what to look for. Mm-hmm. I don't know what their statistics are. My feelings are a bit skewed. I get to be a cynical because I get no, to be. I like that. nobody <laughs> comes to me when the job goes right. So when I had my own house remodeled, I was a wreck. Were you really? I so was, regardless was, of your experience, you still well, because of my experience. Oh, that's interesting. The, the two most common things that I see in terms of the types of defects are roofs and windows. Okay. I'm, I'm convinced that people just can't really? do so those, roofs and windows. Really? So my contractor, actually, when he knew that I was an attorney, he turned all the he took all the labels off the windows and turned them upside down, so that it looked to me like <laughs> he put the windows in upside down. And he thought that was hysterically funny. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> that wow. that made me a little paranoid. But. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, at the beginning would be the best. Ideal. Beginning would be the best. I yeah. rarely see it, but I would love it. I think there may be a slight change though coming because I hmm. think the the Facebook people, the you know the sort of the younger, wealthier crowds okay. now, they're used to having professionals review things for them. You know, they have a legal department of mm-hmm. their own. They have um, they question things more, and they sort of expect to have people on staff who are going to help them do things. So. I have seen a slight change in that where people are coming okay. sooner. So it sounds behavioral or potentially behavior. It is behavioral. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So you're at, ideally you want to become you come at the at the at the front. Is there any sort of legislation that could ever occur to say no before you get this license, before you become a you know a, a professional engineer or an architect, you must consult with an attorney. Or would that be construed as, ah, you're trying to get more business for the attorneys? Yeah, I don't think that would, would ever be. fly. Yeah. Okay. Because some people can do it. Yeah. I still have people who come into me who say, Kathleen, I've been an, a contractor for, or an engineer or an architect for 20 years. I've never had any problems. And I say, you know what? You were due. You know, oh, you, you were really? lucky that you didn't you have due. anything for 20 years. Yeah. Now, now it's coming back. Yeah, yeah. So, what, what in your experience, how is it now? Now, say twenty eighteen, say five years ago, is there a difference, or is there more litigation because of so much construction going on now here in the San Francisco Bay Area, or less, or the same? I I think it's less litigation in the sense of going all the way to trial. Okay. Oh, uh, to go to trial. To go okay. to trial. I attorneys as a whole are trying way less cases than they were ten, fifteen years ago. Hmm. Doesn't happen very much. Yeah. Really, and, and in fact, they're hiring the the big law firms are actually lending some of their attorneys out to the district attorney offices just so their people can get trial experience because oh. we just don't get enough. 
Yeah. Really? That's terrific. Let's visit back with that. You're listening to The Modern Architect, KZSU, Stanford, 90.1 FM. The Peninsula Humane Society and SPCA invite you to check out their wide variety of adoptable dogs, cats, birds, bunnies, and reptiles. All adoptions are now handled at the Tom and Annette Lantos Center for Compassion, located at 1450 Rollins Road in Burlingame. Visit PeninsulaHumaneSociety.org for photos and write-ups about these adoptable answers or call 650-340-7022. The Humane Society anywhere worldwide is always in need of your help. We're talking today with Kathleen Curl, partner in the law firm of Manos and Curl, LLP. For more information, feel free to visit manoscurl.com. That's M-A-N-O-S-C-U-R-L.com. Kathleen, what cases are you at liberty to share with us recently that, you know, you, you had a really great big problem and then it kind of reached a solution? You don't have to say the names, hopefully, but just, just some scenarios so our audience can get an idea of, oh, wow, I'm kind of in that, that situation, or I may be in that situation. And that there may be a light at the end of the tunnel for this. I do quite a bit of negotiating between homeowners and attorney, between homeowners and contractors. So usually there's some point of contention. Everything's always warm and fuzzy for I'd say about the first fifty or sixty percent okay. of the project, and then not so much. Little things may have been building up, and and the owners may not understand exactly what's involved. The, the fact that they said, move that wall, they don't understand how much that takes. And contractors are not always the best about explaining things or about explaining, if I move that wall, in their mind, they're thinking, that's an extra, that's going to cost more money. Mm-hmm. But the homeowner's not thinking that, okay. or the, yeah. even the commercial owner. <laughs> so I can help try and compromise, try and help them to reach an agreement on their own. If possible. Sometimes it's not. I'm a firm believer in mediation, though, which is, of course, different than arbitration, which is like a a trial. But mediation is a settlement conference. And so it's trying to facilitate some sort of resolution between the parties. Yeah. Do you introduce that to the your client and to both parties initially? Look, I think we can settle this through mediation. Depending how far we get. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes not at the beginning. It helps if the other side is represented. If you're dealing with a person who's handling their own matter, that's more difficult because there's so many emotions that are involved. Yeah, I was going to ask you, how, how often does ego come into play with some of these decisions <laughs> or uh, cases? All the time. Re- I think that's just life. All the time, though? All the time, yeah. Really? So to have an objective view on whatever situation without any emotion to and just say, let's look at this is not realistic. No, I don't, I don't think so. I okay. think there's always going to be ego. And one of the, the things that an attorney, I think, can help bring is sort of let's step back. Let's look at the big picture and go on. Although I've certainly had opposing counsel on the other side who seems somehow invested, particularly where it's your brother-in-law. You know, as, as an attorney, you get asked by lots of family members, even remote, okay, yes, yeah. you know, my cousin, my whomever, <laughs> even if it's not your field, yeah. could, could you help me with this? And yeah. so then they tend to get personally invested too. That can be harder. Oh, so do you work with primarily commercial, residential, both? I do both. Okay. I do both. So I actually had to sue, my husband is was a former high school principal, and I actually had to to file a lawsuit against his 
school district because they had a big construction project. I had a subcontractor. And I thought the school he worked. Yeah, well, oh, it was no. a friendly lawsuit. I kept oh, how do you have a friendly one? <laughs> it was it was very friendly. So it was just a a procedure so that if you're doing okay. a stop notice or a yeah. mechanics lien or something of that nature, you actually have to file it and then you work things out. But oh. you have to protect the statute of limitations. Yeah. How did that work out? Are you uh, you're okay to share we, with us how it? Uh, yeah, well, yeah. Okay. It, it was many. It was probably thirty years ago, and everything worked out fine. The general contractor wound up getting fired, okay. and, and everything. Yeah. The, the subcontractors ultimately got paid. Which is is, is there sometimes an end game when you have a client approach you and say, "Look, here's what I want." How do we get this? I, I, I haven't been in one, knock on wood, but so I'm not sure how it works. How, how, how do they approach you and, and how do you see, here's the outcome I'm expecting at some point, if you even I able usually, to envision that. Well, people do say that, and okay. usually I have to be the person that says, you know what, that's probably not realistic. It's probably not what's going to happen here. This is the most you could hope for because they're expecting the end of the rainbow, and that's usually not, not the case. Most people don't want to. People say they want to go to the Supreme Court, but when you see how much money that costs, <laughs> you're not going to do that. It sounds good at the beginning. And it seems people, very visceral to go. Yeah, yeah. I really. And when people yeah. say it's the principle of the thing, attorneys just shake their heads. Usually, no, no, it's not the principle. You say that now. Uh-huh. Talk to me in six months when we're in the middle of litigation. You're not going to be saying the same thing. Wow. So that's just part of my job is yeah. to say, people don't realize how psychologically wearing litigation is and and arbitration at the same time. Yeah. And you obviously make your clients aware of that at the beginning so that they uh, sure try manage to. their expectations. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you, you've you been doing this kind of thing for what, over 25 years? Over About, 30 now. Over yeah. 30 now. Okay. Yeah. So for over 30 in the construction industry, what changes have you seen in the industry overall besides the technology from 30 years ago to today? Are they, are there, is there that much difference in the building industry? I've seen the chain of command get wider there huh. some, some of the there seems to be whereas before maybe you had one person who was in charge i'm thinking in terms of like public projects especially okay. where working for for public agencies can be very challenging as you probably know they don't always listen to the right people but more importantly i think before there used to be like one person who was ultimately in charge who was actually in the trenches with the people okay i see distance now i see people being removed so that there may still be one person in charge but there's lots of lower and lower tier people that you still have to get through and they don't always talk to each other on the large commercial projects. So that can be challenging. Yeah. How does that bring up more potential for um, lawsuits or discrepancies? Yes, it, it does. does. It does. It does. Yeah. And, and even sometimes for some of the lawyers, I'm not going to say which agency, but yeah. for some, for instance, that are in San Francisco, the lawyers have said, Kathleen, what you're saying makes perfect sense. This is what the resolution we should have. They don't listen to me. The public agency doesn't listen to their own lawyers, so it makes it difficult for them to really to resolve things. Is there yeah. that much of a disconnect? Is it just this agency, or do you think, you know, that just well, by agencies? Well, I'm thinking agencies... of a couple, at least, as I'm sitting here. Yeah, so... Large think... agencies as well? Yes. Well-known? Very, very, yes. I mean, you have to say names, of <laughs> yes. course, but well-known. Yes. So there's yes. basically infighting within their own agency. Yes. Yeah, oh. there is. So I've seen more of that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I think just in terms of people are afraid to look, more afraid now, I think, in this age of quick dissemination of information, they're they're more afraid to look weak 
How so? To make, like, to make sort of concessions. They don't even want to do that because they're afraid if the if people found out that they made certain concessions that they would look weak and in future situations yeah. it wouldn't bode well for them. Okay. So I've seen more of that. I think people are are still willing to help other people and, and still willing to work on larger projects, but I've seen it more difficult even in terms of the bidding stages. People are much more willing now. The second lowest bidder almost always files some sort of bid protest. It's it's almost knee jerk, you know, wow. no matter what. That really? happens a lot. Yeah. And and, and at, at any scale, whether it's residential or well, mostly commercial. Mostly that, commercial. So the yeah. second you notice that's just a pattern. Yes. Wow. I'm getting blown away here. Really, really, because it's <laughs> well, like good. it's like you're seeing you're seeing what they're going to go through before when and they're not aware of it. Right. So you're like the really the best option they ought to do is kind of bring you as uh, to coach them <laughs> through the process. That you're just as vital, as my opinion, but you're just as vital as the actual construction of the project. I like to think so. No, really, because I, I like you. That. No, you. You really. You. 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 What's the word? Mitigate damages, or okay? Mm-hmm. I'm going to shoot that out there. Well, it sounded cool. It did. Um, <laughs> so you're mitigating the damages and and the potential liability for everyone by oath. Yes, you can help very much. So at the beginning and in the middle and and even at the end to try and put things together. It's very important when you reach some sort of settlement. You can't do anything on a handshake anymore. Um, that's been true for a long time, although I'm still surprised. I still see some of my little contractor clients do, they really? do things with a handshake who said, I've done it that way my whole life. Yes. It really exists. Yeah. Okay. One of one of our early clients, when I worked for another law firm, the, was a major contractor who actually was illiterate. He couldn't read. He had, I think he probably had severe dyslexia. So he had to have every contract read to him. But what he ultimately said was, I deal with the people. I have to okay. look them in the eye, and that's how I make my decisions. And I thought, that's that's really neat. I wish yeah. we could still do that. I don't think you can. Okay. So how, how often does a client approach you that, that's, that's not as either savvy or as aware of that, you know, you really need the documents in line so that you can minimize any, any of the, the problems? Like you said, 50, 60, is it 50 to 60% through a project? That's when things start. That's I, when things start to Okay, yeah. so that's inevitable. Yes. If you just assume that it's inevitable, why not put somebody there that helps bridge that? Well, in, in my world, it's inevitable. Perhaps yeah. it's not, you know, yeah. the, I know there are jobs that go right. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just don't see them. Oh. <laughs> I shouldn't have that airtime, Ted, but it was. I know the say that again. I love that. I know that there are jobs that go right. I okay. just never see them. Okay, so you're... You're better really off of just look at all these agreements or have someone with you coaching you side by side. Do you have anyone on – I don't understand. I heard, I know the word retainer and it sounds neat, so I'm saying it. But I don't know. Do you have people that you work with on a, on a continuous basis as part of their company or as part oh, of them as a sure, practice? You do. Sure. I've, okay. Some of my clients have been my clients from day one. So I do review their contracts at the very beginning. A lot of subcontractors now are starting to take more time to have the – subcontract agreements reviewed. Another thing that I've seen over the years that's new is having this master agreement. What's it called? Master? So a master okay. agreement is where you know you're going to do work 
on several projects with a subcontractor. And so you have like this master subcontract that has all the terms and conditions in it. And then you just give out work orders for individual projects. So those can just be a couple pages. It talks about the scope of work, but it incorporates by reference that master contract that could be 40 pages. So, and and many times the knee-jerk reaction from general contractors is... Don't change a thing. And in this age of electronic signature, that makes it extra hard with contracts. Because what I like to do is mark up a contract and with suggest— pen, Literally with pen and— Well, for my own notes. Okay. And then I will prepare an addendum or something for a client or even just a comment list. Okay. And say, these are the things you should be concerned about. And then they can take it or have me take it to the general contractor to review. But with an electronic signature, they send it to you in digital form. And you can't literally make any changes to the contract. So you'd have to print it out and then say, I can't sign this. These are the changes I want to make and then work on it. Yeah. Are there more forms now than, say, even five, ten years ago that you people have yeah, to go through? I think so. I think really? there's more forms. Okay. And some of them are good forms. I mean, the, the whole waiver and release yeah. of mechanics liens and stop notices that they want owners to get general contractors to sign and the generals want the subs to sign. Okay. Yeah, I noticed with the Peninsula Builders Exchange, correct? Yes. You're one of the directors yes. there? Is that you have courses on mechanics lean, correct? Yes. And some other ways, how do you, I don't remember all the topics, but there are a number of topics that you offer there. How are those, how are those classes when you, t- you teach them? How do the, you, those are so much fun. Are they really? I, yeah. I love to do that with the small classes because you get really interesting questions. And I think we can all learn from each other because... When you get contractors on the other side of the table from each other, they'll make suggestions. Well, this worked for me with this person. This is how I got around this issue. So it also gives me some ideas on things that I can help clients with. Oh, maybe we should try this. This worked. And sometimes it's just good to know who's working on what because there are issues on a particular project that I've had several clients working on the same project who haven't been paid. So. I can help there. Oh, yeah. Let's touch back on that when we return. This is The Modern Architect in KZSU, Stanford, 90.1 FM. Home First, formerly EHC Life Builders, is a leading provider of services, shelter, and housing for homeless men, women, and children in Santa Clara County. On any given night, more than 6,500 people in the county are homeless. Home First helps these people find and keep stable long-term shelter and transitional housing. The organization also maintains the largest outreach team that regularly visits people in the streets. If you would like to help, visit www.homefirstscc.org or call 408-539-2100. That's 408-539-2100. We're talking today with Kathleen Curl, partner in the law firm of Manos and Curl, LLP. For more information, you're welcome to visit www.manoscurl.com. That's www.manoscurl.com. Kathleen, Peninsula Builders Exchange, how long have you been involved with it? And you know what's their outreach and, and kind of their mission? Their mission is to help contractors and homeowners They have an alternative dispute resolution procedure, so they will actually conduct free mediations for homeowners and contractors. 
they're especially meant to be a service organization for contractors and subcontractors. So whether they're union, non-union, all different kinds of trades. Okay. I've been involved with them probably since the beginning. My boss, as I had indicated, when I first started working with, it started in the 50s. So he was one of the founders. Really? Oh, so it was found founded by someone to say, hey, this is what kind of organization I think is missing, there were, needed. Yeah. There were a group of contractors that got together. You remember in the 50s, you know, there wasn't a lot of television. There weren't a lot of service. The people would get together and uh, they would actually meet. That sounds refreshing. <laughs> and, <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> and they would go have cocktails and drinks with each other okay. and they would talk about construction. And so they formed this group. And so it's Main purpose is to educate and to help contractors so that one of the people is very good at safety. And so safety is a really big issue, of course, in the construction industry these days. So they'll go out and help people. They'll help people do websites. They'll help people because a lot of contractors, the smaller ones, don't even have a website. So they're very good about education, holding different forums to help people, particularly Homeowners and general contractors and subcontractors. Excellent. Now, do they also help or ever work with any state laws that have come down for, you know, we talked about windows and roofing, is, you know, that they say now, you know, these are the laws for these products or these materials or these type of installation and it's, it's brought from the state at the state level. Do they ever influence those kinds of decisions or kind of battle them? They do to a certain extent. We're pretty small. The Peninsula Builders Exchange is one of many in the state of California. It used to be that was where you put the plans. So yes, the, the, right, the yeah. building plans, the architects uh-huh. would, would put those in there. But now in this digital age, that doesn't happen. You know, you just push the button now. Yeah, you can see it. Uh, yeah. yeah, so you can get those and, yeah. and bid off of them. The whole builders exchange thing, I think, with this digital age is, is going to be coming to an end soon. So I, okay. hate, I hate to see it. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's too bad. Because yeah. it sounds like it, there's a there's a kind of a warmth and a, an exchange person to person that you can't really replicate as much as we like to do things digitally and it's nice to conveniently connect with people digitally or via via phone even and that's even becoming less and less so that's too bad if that that goes away is there anything that you kind of see filling the vacuum so to speak that we've had a lot of meetings about that it's difficult because the young people don't really want to work that way they have their own lives and they don't they don't want to meet after work with other contractors to you know no. you know to have a beer or to have something yeah. it, it's just not the same yeah there's a disconnect that happens if you, if once you could take that away though there is there is and i think it's that way for architects too yeah no there there, there is and um there's a challenge for the, for the uh, definitely for the industry and in particularly the bay area obviously been booming construction but mentally and emotionally i always prepare for a downturn Right or wrong, but it's just kind of ingrained. You prepare for a downturn even if there isn't. I don't know if uh, everyone takes that sort of mindset. Maybe give you a little bit of paranoia, but it's it's useful. How do you work with clients who kind of approach you that way? If they're like, hey, you know what? I'm not sure how long this boom's going to last. What can I do to kind of safeguard myself in this profession? Do they ever come to you with that sort of? They don't. No. They don't. No. Uh Uh-uh. Wow. It's it's much more practical. It's I have a this problem I want this solved. They don't usually think big picture with me yeah. because I'm more of a problem solver. That's almost more of an economic kind of question. Yeah, but even even so, I'm I'm looking at it as a I guess I can say this is kind of a profit center to utilize an attorney, you know, a legal specialist as a profit center. I mean, mm-hmm. not to make money for you, but to actually make money by minimizing the, any sort of problems that you're going to reach. 
Well, that that is true. Okay. People will come to me at the beginning and talk about what's the best corporate form for me to be. Okay. Uh, particularly the smaller guys who started to get bigger. And now they've, they're worried because if you start to have assets, you want those protected. So they'll say, well, should I be an LLC? Should I be a, a corporation? Should I be a partnership? Mm-hmm. People, I think, go into partnerships with friends on much too loose a basis. Yeah, how how how's that experience been when <laughs> friends get together and say, "Hey, we're gonna, we're, our buddy's gonna do get." We're that gonna get is together. tough, really. Yeah, yeah, because there's they don't realize until they work together exactly what different styles they have, and you know, one maybe works harder, <laughs> one put in more money, <laughs> like that one, one works harder, one. Um, yeah. And it's always that way, though. There's always a yeah. Okay. And then when they want to split, they realize that they haven't set up their partnership with the right documents because it's really a divorce. And oh. in, in that, with yeah. all that sort of emotional stuff that goes with a yeah. divorce. And so usually they wind up not speaking to each other. And yeah. How do you deal with that emotion? I mean, really, I know we, we're talking contracts and mm-hmm. procedures and processes, but how do you as an attorney manage that those emotions because they have to be flying all over the place they do and uh, and i've had both of them come into me and say we want you to represent us both and i can't uh, ethically i have to say i can only represent one of you not the other and so i'll have to refer one of them out but usually if you just talk about things enough you say okay and you try and keep the emotions out of it let's talk practicalities all right who's going to get the dozer who's going to get the individual pieces of equipment. You've got several different jobs going. Who's handling this one? Who's handling this one? And if you can keep it to the practical level and don't let it devolve, then uh-huh. that's much better. Yeah. How often does that happen where partners actually split? Have you ever, I mean, not that you have to I've had it quantify happen. it, but... Yeah, I've had it happen several times. It's, it's many times people are not, I think, now going in as much as they were into the partnership. They're doing more corporations, which are easier to huh. dissolve. Okay. Um, yeah. What's your, what, do you have a suggestion, or it, it uh, depends on the situation? Like, what what form of a company is uh, most advantageous for your clients? Most of my clients, in fact, almost all of them, are still corporations. There is this LLC business, the limited mm-hmm. liability company, but the the state of California has put extra bells and whistles on that for contractors. <laughs> okay. So there's a there's a really large bond that has to go with it and, and some other different things that other industries don't have to do. So most of mine are still corporations. Okay. So you suggest a corporate for, for any the, particular like CS or uh, depends? The small ones I think are still Everybody starts out as a C corporation, and then depending on what your economics are, the smaller ones still usually go to a subchapter S corporation, which is under the C, and that it just has tax ramifications on yeah. it. So, yeah. What other what challenges in your specific field, which is is construction law, correct? Yes. So what challenges have you experienced just in the, in the industry in general? If I'm phrasing this right, in general, now again, I'll go back to say even ten years that that, that are much different than ten years ago contractually. If if it's changed, or even the, the joys. <laughs> that, no, I think that's a good question. the The pendulum swings; it just takes over time. So there for a while, it started out. I think always the power in the general contractor. Everything was pro general, and then it got more pro sub in favor of the subcontractor for a while. And whoa, I, how did that happen? I mean, I know I'm interrupting, but that's like, whoa, how um, did that go from the general to the sub? Like, how did the law start favoring one over the other? When things were not so good, 
I think, economically. And a lot of subcontractors get out of the business or they moved. You know, they moved to Montana. They moved, you know, to to different places where things were going higher. And so if subcontractors are harder to get, then they have more power. And they can say, I don't want to work on your project. I'm going to work on another project. But now I think things have really switched back again. I don't know. Interesting. If if they'll ever go back as much as they did to the pro-sub, but... Yeah. You know, there, it, I'm not saying it was a really long period, but there was a time when subcontractors had more power. Yeah. And now it's very much pro-general. It's my way or the highway. Yeah. I've got four other subs. If you don't want to do this job, we'll sign this contract without reading it. Okay. How about uh, working with architects and engineers? Have you seen the, the a shift in that same problem or the same issue? Is it gone from, you know, architects, obviously, to the designs and the general contractors, but the, um, for lack of a better word, the power has kind of shifted more to the GC or shifted to the, to the subs. Is that kind of moved up and down, that I, pendulum that I you think? I think you architects are really good at keeping the power. Oh, really? No, because <laughs> a lot of architects feel that, feel that they lost power. <laughs> really? Yeah. The home, I mean, the owner of the project yeah. obviously has the most power. I've always been... Homeowner has the power. Okay. So well, the owner. The owner, uh, okay. yeah. Not necessarily always. the homeowner, yeah. but yeah, of course, they, they do. But the, the architects, I've always been very impressed with the fact that architects for a really long time have had these cool provisions in their contract <laughs> that say that you can't that their liability is limited. They'll never be more liable than the amount of money that you okay. paid them for the contract. And if an, if an architect messes up, then, of course, the amount of damages that they can cause are way over <laughs> what you paid the contractor. Yeah. I've never seen that in another industry. Yeah. Okay, uh, so that's it, how do. they have power. You know? it, yeah, yeah, they've, and they've kept it. And they always want the contractors to use the AIA contract, the uh, American uh-huh, Institute of Architects, yeah. which actually, amazingly, does a pretty good job of dividing things between the general and the subs. I actually like many of their provisions as they apply to the lower tiers. But bottom line, they favor architects. You can't bring okay. in an architect to an arbitration without their express permission in their in the AIA contract. So, I, yeah, I've always been very impressed with that. It's like, boy, somebody... <laughs> Do you like, share it? Like, hey, I'm impressed with that, guys. <laughs> or, or no, you kind of keep it kind of close to you other than our show. I, I just warn people, if you're going to use an AIA contract, I'd prefer not to use an AIA contract, if possible, where I represent the general contractor or the sub. You do? Okay. I do. Has that ever been an issue? Like, hey, no, 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 you got to use ours? or? Uh... Oh, yeah. Yeah, because the architect is, for instance, in a homeowner situation, is telling the homeowner, no, no, you need to use the AIA contract. And they've convinced the owner that that's like the only contract to use. But that's not true. Well, that's true. Yes. Yeah. So then I have to educate okay. my people to say, no, 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 this is, there's usually not an attorney's fees provision in the AIA contract. And that's deliberate because the feeling by architects is you're less likely to sue them if you know you're not going to be able to get your money back at the end. Yeah. Yeah. And there's some pros and cons to that. Yeah. How, how often do cases actually go to court? Have you ever you know, done a number to say, you know, if 10% go to court f- from... I think the statistics right now are 90% do not go to trial. 90, really? 90%, 90 do not. 90% okay. of cases settle before trial. It's just too darn expensive. Okay. So is it, I wonder if is that assumption taken by both sides, knowing that we're not going to court, even though they, they want to, you know, they're emotional about whatever they think they're owed. But 90, it, that's, that's high. It is high. Yeah. There's just not that much litigation. 
Well, and part of these statistics, I think, are more from Northern California. I'm convinced Southern California is a whole different world. They are much more likely to sue down in Southern California. Oh, and a lot of the really bad cases we have <laughs> more likely. come from Southern California. Oh, I want to give that again. This is The Modern Architect on KZSU Stanford 90.1 FM. The Jonas Project, named after fallen Navy SEAL Lieutenant Commander Jonas Kelsall, works with veterans who want to start their own businesses. The Jonas Project provides the support and resources such as volunteer mentors needed to help businesses through the first two years. As these veteran-owned businesses succeed, they look to hire fellow veterans and family members to provide a critical foundation as service members transition to civilian life. To learn more or to help with a donation, visit thejonasproject.org. We're talking today with Kathleen Curl, a partner in the law firm of Manos and Curl, LLP. For more information, feel free to visit www.manoscurl.com. That's www.manoscurl.com. Kathleen, what? why do you think there are more suits in Southern California versus Northern California? I'm not exactly sure. Yeah. I've wondered that myself, especially San Diego. San Diego has a really super active construction law bar association committee subsection. And so they do a lot. And I've always wondered, does San Diego have more construction projects that just go bad? Or what's going on down there? Yeah, I I think perhaps they're more litigious down there than than we are. And I don't know if they're getting more smaller contractors from different places. Yeah. Because we do get contractors... From Texas, you know, some of these large corporations, especially fast food people, you know, the Wendy's and those kind of people, yeah. they have their own construction crews. Yes, yeah, they, they, they go, go across and country. go around because yeah. they want them all to look the same. So, I, you know, I've just wondered, why is that? I don't know. Yeah. There's probably a good reason. And so San Diego, uh, yeah, I was just going to say, is there a certain mindset of a, you know, because every area has a, has a general mindset, Northern California is obviously different than Southern California, but it has a certain mindset. I, want, I, don't, I don't know why I'm so interested. Who cares? We're up here. But really, like, why would they have more suits there than here? Is it that? You're right. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know. If you find yeah. out, let me know. Yeah. The great. Now, speak, do you ever go down for your clients down in Southern California? or Sure. Yeah, you do. Sure. Okay. Yeah, I do. Uh-huh. I've had arbitrations down there. And many times, though, if it's because so much of what we do as an attorneys anymore can be done by telephone. So I don't have to appear in court in person. I can just appear in tel- by telephone for a case management conference. If you try the case or yeah. mediate it, then it probably would be down there. But for the most part, you can do a lot from yeah. just right here. Well, in 30 years of uh, – is it nearly 30 or over 30 or at 30? Over 30. Over 30 years. Okay, over 30s. Do you see – You've obviously seen some patterns and some situations and you know when they come in, here's where this is likely to go. Is it, is it, is it so much so now that you know exactly where it's going to go or no? There are some changes that you still have to always deal with, uh, you know, some contingencies. That's what I like about construction. Just when I think I've seen it all, uh-huh. something new comes <laughs> in, and it's it, it'll be interesting oh, and so crazy. So you like the problems when they come in, like, I oh, do. that's a good one. I do. <laughs> yeah, I like the problems because they're so interesting. 
Oh, it's amazing. They're interesting. The problems are interesting. Yeah. So the people coming in, now do you call them the party? Is that the right word? No, just a person. Okay. Well, yeah. yeah a person party c- funeral lawsuit, sure. Okay. <laughs> so it's a person comes in and they have a problem and they're really agitated about it and it's really bothered. But you're looking at it as, oh, this is interesting? Yes. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is going to be a fun one. Oh, no. Yeah. Really? No, I mean, that's uh, that's terrific. I mean, I would never, I, that's why we're here. But uh, to see your perspective and your position when you... Oh, I you, love what I do. It is yeah. so much fun. Yeah. 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 That is terrific. And so you, did you know, uh, we're going to go back to your early inspirations, you said, as you said, it wasn't like, you know, you were a kid and I can't wait to do this. But did you see, the, oh, this is going to be a lot of fun this, to, to get into. Kind of you, your expectations have been met. In construction law, oh, as ex- far as this level of joy. Exceeded, yeah. I didn't know it was going to be this even. much fun because, of course, oh. when you first start out as an attorney <laughs> or as a young associate architect, right, you're not getting necessarily the fun stuff. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're getting more the the drudgery, you know, review this contract, do this. You don't get yeah. to actually meet as many clients as the more senior partners do. So okay. that the more the higher up you get to, then you get to talk to the actual people, to the president of the company. Okay, yeah. Yeah, how did you begin uh, Manus and Curl? Your your partner, how long have you been together? We both, he does some construction, but he okay. has other specialty areas. So we both worked for that same law firm for different partners. And okay. so we both realized when we both went out on our own for a year, you, you don't get vacations, you don't get sick leave on your own. So uh-huh. it would be really good to be together. So yeah, uh, yeah. we've and had just, a fun time. Yeah, so... What kind of do you obviously you you must you share like different uh, your cases together and say hey look I'm having a an issue on this one or what do you think I had to do about this to help solve this problem we just to collaborate do. that way the whole building does yeah there's more attorneys than just us in our building so okay. that's one of the nice things is just being able to throw things back and forth sometimes procedural I want to get this piece of evidence in how do I do it because the rules of hearsay would otherwise say I can't get it in so you. Somebody said, oh, I got it in this way or, or whatever. So that's very helpful. And you make it work. Now, how often do you, whether the client asks you or on, on, your, on your own as a law firm, actually either go to Sacramento or sit in on some of the state or city city ordinances that uh, are coming down in regards to the built environment? Do you ever I do that? anything to do Any with interface that, no. or exchange or engagement? I know one attorney who actually was instrumental in lobbying the legislature and getting lobbying, the, that's the word I'm looking in for. getting okay. the indemnity provisions changed. And so he said he would never do it again. <laughs> that it was an awful process and he really didn't wish really? he hadn't gotten involved. Yeah. Yeah, would it just kind of eat at him? or uh, um, It took much longer. He thought he would just be able to go present the the injustices that this would address and that somehow people would see the light. Um, <laughs> yeah, and somehow. they didn't. Yeah. It, they, it took about two years. And I think he also quoted a fixed price, thinking it would take a short period of time. Oh. So it took much longer at a much lower rate of compensation than, than he than thought. He, even though it, it, it uh, what he went for... He achieved that outcome. He yeah. did, yeah. And it would, it's really great what he did, Yeah, what he helped. I mean, it was Can you share what lobbyist. it is? I'm actually curious. Yeah. Well, it has to do with the indemnity and, and sharing, which is really just a sh- who's going to assume some of the liability for things. So in the past, the way things worked was the general contractor was shoving all the responsibility onto the subcontractor with one exception, which was if the general contractor themselves was 100% negligent, then you couldn't get any sharing in that liability. 
Okay. Um, well, when was the last time you saw anything that clear cut, right? So no. that would mean yeah. 1% you were liable, 99% the general contractor was liable, but you then have to pay 100%. So he was able to make it more percentage-wise so that if you were 20%, uh, if the general contractor was 20% and you were 20%, then, then it would be shared, the liability. So it was a good thing. Yes, overall, that's a significant amount of money that he helped influence the right way. Yes. So but it, it took a toll on him emotionally and probably financially. Yes. Okay. So there, it, it, and he did it alone probably. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he had some help. I think he was more the – it was one of the trade associations that came to him and said, we want to change this. So it was through a trade organization. Okay. And and he got that, but it was uh, time cumbersome for, to say the least. How, what other, you know, kind of challenges – do you see in the uh, in the construction uh, industry that uh, they could uh, contractors or architects engineers they could avoid rather easily but they kind of fall into the trap whether it's uh, you know partnership uh, with the client whatever it is you know what kind of set simple like you know guys if you just did this you have minimized this kind of problem but you always seem to go this way <laughs> If there's is, such a thing, yeah. yeah. A lot of it, I think, is just common sense. Keep the lines of common communication sense. open. Don't let your ego get involved. Be fair. Just think about being fair. Kathleen, you know how hard that is? <laughs> no, no, those th- those things, you could put those on a Post-it note. You could, But But yeah. th- to actually live it and to do it is... Um, there uh, are general contractors who... Um, we all know who actually hire people who go around looking for ways to backcharge subcontractors, you know, and those people more than make up for themselves for their salary because they're going after others. And it, I, I think if you go in with that mindset, um, that doesn't bode well for the future of the project. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that can be tough. Yeah. How do you how do you negate that, or how can you either paperwork? Really? Which is not something contractors are good at. Okay, there we go. Document things. Um, keep a journal. Keep a log. The, it, it's hard, though, because a lot of the little guys, they don't have somebody on staff who's, you know, they'd have to do the work, um, get up super early, do the work, go home, tr- write up the paperwork themselves. They don't. So if people could get more help, that would be great. Yeah. They don't usually think of that because they want to keep their profit margin high and their overhead low. If if they just got some help and if you document things, if when you talk to the person and they say, of course we're going to pay you for that, don't worry about oh, it. Oh, no. Send that confirming, no. send yeah. the confirming email Yeah. to say, this confirms our conversation where you told me you were going to do this. That's simple? That's simple. Okay. So, I can take that to court. Okay. So even, even if it's handwritten, that, oh, yeah, would you say, here's my ledger? Or, you know, a, a day planner, literally a day planner that said on, uh, you know, February 22nd, uh, this time, uh, John and I discussed this and that. If you've got, if, if money is involved, I would suggest a, a return email. I'd rather see that. If you're okay. talking about time, then I'd like to have emails and a journal so that you can say when they come back and say you were late and then you go back in your log and you say but it rains this many days i couldn't work um there one of the other trades their piece of equipment broke down so you weren't ready for us but people's memories you're not going to remember this two years later when it goes to trial 
Yeah. Are there any suggestions or recommendations you have for an aspiring construction law attorney? Listen, um, talk to other people. There's actually not a whole lot of us construction attorneys out there, so we tend to know each other. And sometimes I can tell if there's a general practitioner kind of attorney who's dabbling, who oh. who, who doesn't know what they're talking about. Um, so find out who those are. Join organizations, uh, uh-huh. talk to different people, find out who's in the field, and then sometimes I, I wouldn't say shadow because attorneys really – we can't do shadowing yeah. um, with the confidentiality kinds of things. But talk to them. I have lots of people who come to me who say my son or daughter is interested in being an attorney and they like construction. So huh. I like talking to the young people. Yeah, that's it's terrific. Yeah. What's your thoughts on the quote? Um, it's a Frank Lloyd Wright quote. The, um, the mother art is architecture. Without an architecture, without an architecture of our own, we have no soul of our own civilization. What's your What's your thought or take on? I like that. I like that. Architecture is so diverse. Um, it, I stand in awe of some of these great architects. Some. There is something so important about the soul of a civilization and the Frank Lloyd Wrights that you see, I think they get a lot of credit, but it's it's the little guys in the trenches sometimes, I think. When you look at San Francisco and you look at the new construction that's going on or or even in towns, it's so wonderful to look at how somebody can take the same piece of property because instead of being a cookie cutter, there's something unique and diverse about it. It's beautiful. Yeah, definitely. Kathleen, it's been a pleasure having you. We're, we're honored. Thank you very much for, thank you. for coming here. We hope you consider coming back again soon. Thank you. We thank you very much. You've been listening to The Modern Architect. I'm Tom Dioro. Our guest today has been Kathleen Curl, a partner in the law firm of Madison Curl, LLP, specializing in handling problems related to the construction industry for over 20, 30 years and a member of the construction industry section of the California Bar Association, the San Francisco chapter of the National Association of Women in Construction and Women Construction Owners and Executives. Kathleen is also past president and a current director of the Peninsula Builders Exchange. For more information, feel free to visit manoscurl.com. That's M-A-N-O-S, curl, C-U-R-L, Com. Join us again next time when we welcome another outstanding architect, engineer, influencer, or civic leader committed to positive and sustainable cities, communities, and lives. The Modern Architect is recorded at KZSU Studios on the campus of Stanford University. Today, the recording engineer and production manager has been Charlotte Thornton and Chief Engineer Mark Lawrence. And we are all assisted by Caleb B. Smith, the general manager of the studio. The executive producer and host of The Modern Architect is Tom Diorio. If you wish to contact us at our email address, just visit interviews with an S at kzsu.stanford.edu. Again, that's interviews at kzsu.stanford.edu. Are you an architect, designer, contractor, or engineer? Modeler.com is a platform connecting architects and other specifiers with building product manufacturers. Modeler.com's engaged network of 168,000 architects, designers, and construction professionals use Modeler.com's tools to discover, discuss, and specify products appropriate for building projects. 
We at KZSU Stanford thank Modeler.com for the generous underwriting of the production and broadcasting costs of The Modern Architect.